You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, Buffalo Bills fans, it's Matt Warren, Editor-in-Chief from BuffaloRumlings.com, and this is Rumlings Q&A. Before we get into this week's questions, I wanted to remind you how you could ask yours for next week's episode or any episode beyond that. Our phone number is 716-508-0405. Our Twitter handle is at rumblingsqa with the word and spelled out in the middle of it. And you can also find us at our new email address, Rumblings at sbnation.com. This week's episode has a whole bunch of offensive questions after the Bills weren't able to put away consecutive AFC East opponents, um, largely because of some of the problems that they've had on offense. The defense has played pretty well over the last two weeks, but the offense has shown sparks and signs of life, but not really been able to get the job done. While I understand some folks have been disappointed by the Bills losing the last few weeks, I'm actually more encouraged by the glimpses I've seen than I am worried about the actual losses because I think some of these problems can be fixed pretty easily and we'll get into some of those in today's episode. We've got the most questions we've ever had submitted for this episode, so I'm not going to waste any more time on the intro. Let's get right into the question I'm getting a lot. All right, this week, the question we've been getting most often is about Danny Crossman and his future as the special teams coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, A lot of you are wondering why he's still around even now, uh, and other folks wondering why he stayed on with Sean McDermott in the first place, and and that's a pretty good question. Um, He was originally hired by Doug Marone when Doug Marone was hired years ago. Uh, He was kept on Ryan's staff when Ryan was hired, and then he was kept on Sean McDermott's staff when McDermott was hired. And he just seems to keep sticking around. And, you know, the Bills have gone through three punchers this year, four if you count Corey Carter, who was with the team during training camp in the preseason before going on injured reserve. And they just haven't been able to find a secret formula on the punting unit, but that's far from his biggest problem. His biggest problem is, of course, the kick return unit. And the New York Jets started at like the 46-yard line as their average drive start during this game because uh, the Bills allowed two super long returns uh, in the first half. Uh, And the Jets were able to capitalize on both of them. And uh, that was a problem against the Dolphins as well. So when you're just gifting the opponent, I think it was like 20 extra yards over where the Bills' average drive started. It uh, it just makes for a really long day for your rookie quarterback. Um, I think Cross- Crossman will be gone at the end of the year. They don't want to replace him in the middle of the year, kind of like 
you saw with Rick Dennison a year ago. Um, I just, especially with the playoffs being out of the question and, you know, wanting to save face with potential future coaches and players and things like that, that they're going to keep Crossman around for the rest of the year and then uh, say goodbye to him in the off season. And that'll be their big hire for the coaching staff. They probably feel pretty good about their defensive coordinator and they should, they probably feel pretty good about Brian Dable as their offensive coordinator. And now they can make that change at special teams coordinator. The only wild card in this conversation could be if, say, Brian Dable is a candidate for the Green Bay Packers head coaching job, as has been rumored. So that would be a, an interesting wrinkle in this. But I don't think that has anything to do with Crossman. It's just I know that they're probably happy with with Dable and Frazier as their two other coordinators. So pulling the trigger on Crossman would be their big move of the offseason. It certainly would help them in the long run, uh, as well as getting that punter position settled. It's it's taken points off the board the last couple of weeks as um, as the holder has come in and maybe been part of the problem with Stephen Hoshka missing extra points and field goals over the last two weeks. So, I mean, the question I've been getting the most is why is Danny Crossman still employed? And I just think it's you know, circumstance. There's only a few weeks left of the season. They're going to wait it out and then replace him at the end of the year. <laughs> This is Tim Ellis from Richmond, Virginia, and I'm wondering what you guys think effect uh, Josh Allen's running is having on his development as a passer, positive, negative, or no effect at all. Thank you. Look forward to hearing it. It's really great to hear from Tim Ellis, who has been one of our uh, members at Buffalo Rumbling since pretty much the very beginning. So, uh, So hi, Tim. Thanks for the question. Uh, regarding Josh Allen's running and his development, I'm not really worried about the running per se. Uh, I'm not worried about the fact that he looks, you know, down the field and sees all the defensive backs with their backs to him and has 15 yards in front of him and takes off and picks up, you know, chunk yardage, whether it's, you know, first down or even if it's just like seven yards on, you know, second and 10 or something like that. That part doesn't bother me, and as long as he's sliding, which he's seemingly been doing more, um, I don't have a problem with that. I also don't necessarily have a problem with Brian Dable dialing up running plays that are specifically designed for Allen, as long as you know he has an ability to protect himself and you know not be exposed to taking big hits like he has taken a couple over the last couple weeks. But the thing I am worried about and really starting to get even more worried about is the offensive line. And if Allen starts to get happy feet and not trust that his offensive line can block for him. And instead of sitting in the pocket and setting up and looking downfield and making those passes, if instead of doing that, he's running for his life all the time and starting to see ghosts. I worry about a little bit of that, uh, that David Carr syndrome from the Houston Texans, Texans a few years ago when he just got hit so hard it ruined him uh, for forever. Um, yeah, Allen's young, he's confident, he's used to taking the hits, and so I don't see that yet necessarily. Um, I still think that he's looking to pass first, um, but 
I mean, he keeps looking up and there's a guy in his face or a guy coming around the edge. And I think it's a little bit difficult. So that's what I'm way more worried about. I'm, I'm not necessarily worried about his running um, and things like that. He hasn't really taken off from the pocket too early for the most part, at least since he came back from his elbow injury. Uh, he, We had an analysis breakdown from Ron on buffalorumblings.com after the game against the Dolphins that showed he only left the pocket early once, maybe twice uh, in the entire game. And the main reason he is leaving the pocket is a guy in his face. And, you know, we'll get to the offensive line a little bit later in today's podcast. So, you know, I don't want to go into that a whole lot, but his running isn't terrifying me. Obviously it's not sustainable. He's not going to be able to do that for 15 years of an NFL career, but, but other quarterbacks have been able to kind of dial it up and change it a little bit. Um, I, I have read some, some thoughts of folks that are saying that when he, is scrambling, he's looking to run instead of looking to pass. And and I think that's true if he sees an opening for seven or eight yards. But I also know that he's you know sticking in the pocket and throwing on third and 10 and throwing on third and 15 instead of trying to get like four yards on third down and long or something like that. So, you know, he's still looking to make those passes. Um, as long as that continues, you know, that'll be okay. And, you know, he does need some weapons. He does need some protection around him. So, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to the offseason just as much as everybody else is as far as acquiring some of that talent. So, Tim Ellis, thanks very much for your question. How's it going, guys? Uh, my name's Sam. I'm from Hopewell, New York. Um, after the year that the Bills have had, especially the year last year, making the playoffs after having a nice 17-year drought. We all knew that basically this year was kind of a rebuilding year, especially with the drafting of Josh Allen. However, with this offseason upcoming and with the playoff hopes completely out of pace and out of mind, the main thing that we have to really look forward to is trying to get our offensive line in check and trying to get some playmakers on the edge for Josh to actually have some success. The year has gone decently well for him, minus a couple of miscues, especially with his interceptions as of late. But when looking at the game that he can run, and also looking at the fact that the offensive line doesn't really do much for him. Drafting probably, say, a right guard and probably another left tackle and sliding Dawkins over to right tackle would probably help a lot, especially with the fact that Dawkins has been getting beat off the edge quite often. Um, I was just wondering what you guys would think about that, and uh, thank you for taking my call. Thanks for calling in, Sam, and thanks for the question. Uh, Hopewell is a beautiful part of New York State. If you haven't been over into the Finger Lakes, folks, uh, you should definitely get over there um, and explore kind of what's in and around Hopewell. Uh, it's right on the way from Canandaigua Lake to Seneca Lake, and it's just it's a nice place to visit. You should uh, go check it out. Uh, maybe if you're in uh, in Pittsburgh for Bill's training camp, it's just a little bit further from you. Uh, if you're coming from Buffalo or something like that, or maybe making out of it to answer your question about the offensive line. I'm really at the point where I'm nervous about how they're going to replace the entire offensive line this off season. One of the things that they have going in their favor is that the team with the most salary cap space, the Indianapolis Colts have already 
completely revamped their entire offensive line. So the Bills should be able to spend money and get some free agents in to kind of tackle the problems with the offensive line. But they legitimately have concerns at four of the five positions and free agents all over the place too. So I would expect over the last few weeks of the season, they're going to start mixing in some younger guys like Connor McDermott and Ike Butker uh, at right guard and um, right tackle, not respectively McDermott's the tackle and uh, Butker's the guard. Uh, but they already have, um, you know, Ryan Gray, they're back up in at uh, center and they already have that guy they're looking at for the future Wyatt Teller in at left guard. And then Dawkins, Deion Dawkins, uh, as you said, is, is a guy that they're hopefully looking to build around long-term as a member of that starting offensive line. But, but let's start with Dawkins. Even he's had a few bad games here now, and you have to wonder if he's, you know, their left tackle of the future, especially if they're sitting at that fourth or fifth pick in the top of the first round and nobody wants to trade with them. You know, do they pull the trigger on one of those tackles at the top of the draft and, and maybe consider playing Dawkins at right tackle or, um, or maybe even the rookie at right tackle. I don't know, but you know, that might be a way for them to address a major question mark on the offensive line if they aren't able to address it in free agency. So that's just the tackle position. Uh, Jordan Mills is free agent at the end of the year, so he's going to be gone. Um, Moving inside, Jonathan Miller is also going to be a free agent at that right guard spot. And why Teller at that left guard spot hasn't really shown anything where you're like, yeah, he's definitely going to be a building block piece moving forward. So, so they could be in the market for two guards and even a center uh, in place of Russell Bodine, who did such a poor job in the preseason and training camp that he wasn't the opening day starter. Um, so they could theoretically turn over all five positions on the offensive line more than likely they'll keep Dawkins somewhere on that starting five, but maybe not at that left tackle spot. So it's, I mean, that's a lot to ask of a complete reshuffle in front of, of Josh Allen um, going into his second year in the league, but they have the cap space to do it. They have the draft pick to do it. Even if, you know, maybe you're talking about a third or fourth round pick, maybe slotting into one of those guard positions or spending, you know, a, a premium pick on a new center or something like that. They're going to have to invest in that offensive line moving forward and, and really kind of changing the whole thing up because it just has not been good this year. Um, whether it was Allen or about or whoever, they just haven't had the, the openings that they need. Chris Ivey um, hasn't had the openings uh, that they need to run the ball or, or the pass protection to pass the ball. So a big change for them this offseason, especially if they're going to keep taking those deep shots, uh, trying to take the top off the, the defense with, with long balls. They're going to need protection up front to keep Josh Allen upright. And I think you've seen that. We, I just mentioned the Colts. You saw they heavily invested in their offensive line this year. And Andrew Luck I mean, went to stretch without even being hit and then like multiple games without being sacked. And, and that's done wonders for their offense. So it's definitely something that the Bills are going to look at and may even be a priority over the wide receiver position. At least it is in my mind going forward. That's how bad it's been this season. And the emergence of Robert Foster and even Zay Jones to a lesser extent has kind of maybe lessened the dire, dire need that they had at the wide receiver position. Um, I don't think they should rest on their laurels there, but it's 
I mean, the offensive line is just worse. Thanks for your question. Up next is our Twitter question of the week. Uh, you can send us questions at Rumblings Q and A on Twitter. Uh, that's Rumblings Q and A with the word and spelled out in the middle of that. Now that the Bills have been eliminated from the 2018 playoff race, uh, Brian C at John Henry 35 wants to know: Is this the start? of another long playoff drought. Of course, the Bills were on a 17-year playoff drought when they made the playoffs last year at the last minute. But I don't necessarily think this is the start of another long drought. Uh, I thought that the first drought was really um, was really random. And, you know, just statistics and dumb luck – I mean, have just shown over the years, especially in the NFL, that the teams make it when nobody thinks that they're going to. And I mean, maybe they're not going to make the playoffs for a little while if Josh Allen doesn't progress at all. Um, I still think they can be you know, right around 500 next year um, with some added playmakers on offense, if not, you know, eight and eight, nine and seven. And, uh, you know, that was enough to get them in last year. It just. Uh, the AFC is kind of a hot mess beyond the Chiefs and Patriots. Um, even the Chargers, who are playing really well this year, you have to look down the line with how long Philip Rivers is going to play and the fact that they've been so hit and miss over the last several years. Um, you know, the AFC North is kind of all over the place, and Big Ben's getting up there in age two. And then the AFC South, I mean, <laughs> They've been all over the place too. Can the Texans continue this hot streak, you know, into the future? So even if they do, you know, that that's just the AFC South winner. It's not even the wildcard team. So I think past the top two or three teams in the AFC, the future is is even more open if Tom Brady <laughs> retires at some point in the near future. So I, I do not think it's the start of another long drought. Um I think the Bills will be in the playoff conversation that in the hunt graphic next year. Uh, and they probably would have done better this year if, if Allen hadn't got injured in the middle of the season. So, so my answer to that is no, I don't think it's uh, the start of another long drought. Uh, that Twitter question came to us from Brian C who is at John Henry 35 on Twitter. And he tweeted at us at rumblings Q and a, you can find, the official uh, handle for Buffalo Rumblings at Buff Rumblings because Buffalo Rumblings is too long on Twitter. So it's at B-U-F-F Rumblings. And then you can find me at Matt Rich Warren uh, on Twitter. And you can interact with us on all of our social channels as well. We're on Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and all over the place. So follow us on our social media channels. Uh, we're really making a push in Instagram in the next few weeks and months. So follow us there if that's your thing. Hello, 
this is Mike in Chicago. I'm wondering, now that we have released a lot of wide receivers, um, we're going to have to pick some up in the draft, probably with some high draft picks. Do you think that uh, Brandon Bean, or Nick Bean in general, will be open to trading down to acquire more first-round draft picks or high-round draft picks? Hi, Mike, and thanks for your question at our phone call-in line, 716-508-0405. You can call and leave a message anytime, day or night, any day of the week, and we'll answer it on air at some point in the near future. Uh, I think Mike actually is asking two different questions. Um, There's that conversation about drafting a wide receiver with kind of a premium pick or a high pick, as Mike put it. And then there's the conversation about trading down. Let's start with trading down. I do think Bean would be open to trading down. Um, He hasn't really done that in the past. He's gone up to get guys. But looking at this roster, and I just talked about what's going on with the offensive line, potentially needing four brand new bodies there. Um, You've got holes at wide receiver, like you said, Mike. Uh, They'll need a tight end, probably uh, a defensive tackle or – at the very least, one or two other defensive linemen, um, a cornerback. There's just a lot of needs and holes on this roster right now. And they have 10 picks, but most of them are in the later rounds. So if they could trade down from, say, they end up with like the number five or number six overall pick, and they can trade down to the middle of the first round and pick up you know, a mid-second rounder in the process and uh, maybe something else later, you know, they might be able to fill all these holes with young guys relatively quickly, whether it's, you know, those offensive linemen that might slip down to the second and third rounds or some of the wide receivers. Um, So let's go back to the wide receivers. I do think they would definitely look to pick a wide receiver with that, with a first round pick, but I don't think there's anybody that's going to be in the top 10 that's going to warrant that selection. So I guess they would have to trade back in order for me to be okay with them taking a wide receiver. But as Andrew Griffin said on our website in the last week or so, um, there's a lot of those day two and day three, um, and even maybe the top of the day four wide receivers that have a really good skill set, but maybe lack in one particular area like a health scare or they. Um, you know, were arrested for something in college a year or two ago, or um, you know, just something here or something there that's going to drop them down boards. And you know, if they feel comfortable enough with that, I think they would definitely have no problem pulling the trigger on drafting. You know, those guys, whether it's for an injury concern that other teams knock them down for, or some of those other problems. So there's going to be talent to be had at the wide receiver position in the middle of the first round and in the second and third rounds. So um, I. I'd be looking for them to to take somebody not in the top 10, but a little bit later in the draft and trading down to do it would be an ideal scenario. I think for Brandon Bean, who really loves his draft capital, but we always were looking at him trying to acquire draft capital so he could move up to get his quarterback. And we're in that post quarterback world with Bean that we haven't really seen yet. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays the draft and with the lack of top quarterback prospects at the top of the draft this year, if they do end up with one of those high picks, um, there might not be the push to to trade up that there has been in the past, like we saw last year with um, 
you know, the Bills trading up, the Jets trading up, and, and all the activity that was going on with quarterbacks, um, the Cardinals trading up, uh, because there were so many great quarterbacks that people wanted to to take a chance on. So there has to be two to tango, as they say, and so Bean might not be able to. Um, and what is he going to do if they stay put at like five or six or seven? It's probably not draft a wide receiver. So um, be prepared for other positions to be addressed first in the uh, 2019 NFL draft. Thanks for your question. Hey, this is Tim from Genseo, SUNY Genseo College, and I was just wondering after we've seen LaShawn McCoy struggle this entire season, he's averaging less than less than four yards per carry, averaging over four, five yards a carry in over five games. Uh, why do you think the 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 top of the Bills franchise decided not to move him? Was there not enough offers on the table? The offers weren't good enough. Because at this point, you think a third or fourth rounder would have been worth it because then you can get a serviceable running back in the late rounds. And now it seems like McCoy's going to be a a backup for the rest of his career here in Buffalo, and it's going to be a little bitter taste in your mouth because you know he could have uh, he could have been moved for some assets. Thanks. Hi Tim, and thanks for the call. I spent my fair share of time at uh, SUNY Geneseo. Uh, visiting friends and family members who, who went there. And uh, even a lot of people I work with now all went to SUNY Geneseo. So definitely spent my time uh, in Geneseo at some of the local establishments. Um, but that wasn't what your question about. It was about LaShawn McCoy and why the Bills kept him around. Uh, I think a lot of it was that they wanted that veteran presence in the locker room, whether it's because he has – kind of a closer relationship with with Josh Allen, uh, the rookie quarterback, or they just wanted, you know, a dynamic playmaker behind Allen uh, to kind of take the load off of the rookie. Um, but it's clear that hasn't been happening, and that was even before his injury. So I think that they were just banking on that kind of veteran leadership in the locker room. And McDermott's talked about having veteran leaders in every room, and all over the team to kind of help the younger players along. So maybe that was it. Um, I don't think they kept him because they were convinced they were going to go to the playoffs and they needed him or something like that. He's got a pretty large cap number in 2019. And I know I said earlier that I thought they would probably keep him on the roster, but you know, the, the worst he plays to your point, his yards per carry average is the lowest of his career. It's right around 3.3 yards per carry. Um, I just, I have a hard time believing they're going to pay him you know, $9 million plus to play for them next year when, you know, they're gonna, it's just going to be another kind of rebuilding year getting off the ground next year. But of course, maybe that's why they'll, pay him to stick around because they don't want to have to rebuild the running back room at the same time. You know, you can't replace every problem at once. Um, but I do think that if they do revamp the offensive line, like we talked about earlier in this podcast, it's going to make it easier for any running back to come in and do well. And I think time and time again, you've seen undrafted guys and lower drafted guys come in and, and be successful on other teams. So you don't have to necessarily pay $9 million to a running back, but you know, the bills have the cap space to do it if they really want to keep him around and 
you know, surround Josh Allen with with a talented guy, but I just I don't see them sticking with Shady beyond 2019 for sure. And even into 2019, he can't be the only option to carry the ball. And Chris Ivory's already signed to a contract next year, so you know they're going to have to get one way or the other. As far as compensation they may have received, I think if they did receive a third-round draft choice in compensation for him, they should have already pulled the trigger. Um, that went enough for me to do it because you're talking about a potential starter next year and not just at running back, but you could have had a, a potential starter really all any anywhere on the team um, with that third round. It's a 30-year-old running back with you know a 21-year-old starter or a 22-year-old starter. That's a win in my book. So I would have definitely gone for a third and done it for a fourth. So, um, of course, I know if they think that he adds value to their locker room, maybe that you know makes the compensation a little bit higher of a, of a conversation. Uh, thanks for your question, Tim. We found out this week that the NFL salary cap for 2019 is projected to be between 187 and 191 million dollars, which would be a pretty hefty jump over 10 million dollars from the year before. So the Bills and you know several of the other teams, the Colts, the the Jets, and um, the Browns in particular, are going to have massive amounts of, of cap space to use to go out and sign some free agents. So the Bills are going to have competition. So uh, playing well down the stretch will certainly help them be able to sign guys and get guys excited about coming to Buffalo. Uh, I want you to get excited about calling into our show at 716-508-0405 or leaving us uh, questions on Twitter at rumblingsqnA with the word and spelled out. Uh, subscribe to our podcast wherever you uh, get your podcast from, whether it's iTunes or or uh, one of the other apps that I use. Um, and make sure that you leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, listen to the Circling the Wagons podcast on our podcast channel, all that good stuff. Uh, my name is Matt Warren. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Rich Warren. And of course, uh, all of our stuff at buffalorumblings.com. Uh, thanks again for all the folks that called in this week. Um, the episode was about eight or nine minutes longer than normal because we had more calls and more questions to answer and and we'd love to keep answering more and more questions uh as the season kind of winds up and we get into the the off season so call and leave your messages at 716-508-0405 and uh, we'll get to as many as we can thanks again to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. 
Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Anthropic.